Well, welcome to the Hills family. And when I say family, of course, I mean all of you at Southlake campus and West Fort Worth campus. But also, I'm including all of you that faithfully watch us each week online. I get messages from people around the world, places I will never get to personally visit, who are faithful each week to join us. So we give a shout out to you, too. And because you're so faithful to watch, let me give you a heads up. In two weeks, I'm starting a new series called Kingdom Come. And the inspiration behind this series are the many verses in the Gospels where Jesus explains why he came. Like, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I did not come to be served but to serve. Or how about this? Do not think I've come to bring peace. I haven't come to bring peace but a sword. What does that mean? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to spend a few weeks and we're just going to look at Jesus' own words about why he came. And I think it's going to be a challenge in a wonderful way. But what we're doing today is wrapping up this series called Fix Your Focus. And I want to thank you for the amazing comments I've received. Just last week, a brother says to me, Pastor, you must be smarter than Einstein. I said, well, thanks, but what do you mean? Well, they say when Einstein spoke, he was so smart, only 10 people in the world could understand him. But when you preach, nobody can understand you, okay? So, I don't want you to ever confuse being confusing with being deep. Jesus preached to people that were uneducated and illiterate. But they understood what he was saying. And yet it was some of the deepest teaching ever given. You see, if a message doesn't help you focus, it doesn't help. And Micah understood that. The power and the value of clarity. And so he, in just one statement, summed up our entire series with these words. He's shown you, O mortal, what is good. In other words, God doesn't do confusing. God does clarity. God has made it clear what he focuses on. He's shown you. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Justice, mercy, humility, repeat. So, for the last time on every campus, let's say that out loud. Justice, mercy, humility, repeat. I hope those words are burned forever in your consciousness. Because we don't live in a world that values those words. We live in a world... That puts the focus first on self. See, most focus their attention on getting attention. We live in an it's all about me culture. And I don't have to tell you that. Illustrations are all around us. For example, doctors have recently began treating a new condition. It starts with tingling in the fingers, numbness in the hand, and 
results in a sharp pain in the corner of your wrist. And do you know what they're calling this condition? Are you ready? Selfie wrist. That's right. We're taking so many selfies, contorting our hands to get a good picture, that we're straining the ligaments in our wrist. Before you laugh at anyone else, answer this question. When you are in a group photo and you see it, where's the first place you look? At yourself. And if you look good, it's a good picture. But if everybody else looks good and you don't, that picture stinks. Don't show it to anybody. Here's the truth. I like me some me. And me worship is the most popular religion in the world. And it affects everything. Me worship affects how I vote. I vote for the candidate who promises to do the most for me. It affects how I budget. I make sure I've got enough to take care of me. It affects how I value relationships. Before I invest too much in another person, I want to discern what's going to be in it for me. It even affects how we choose a church. Now, can we be totally honest here? Most people do not choose a church asking the question, how can I serve your needs? But by asking the question, how will your church serve my needs? I like me some me. Me worship has been around since the Garden of Eden. And it was prevalent in Micah's day. Now, Micah preached at this strange time when the Assyrian Empire was threatening the people of God. In his lifetime, he watched the northern kingdom fall and the southern kingdom be threatened. And the people of God are saying, why is God letting this happen? And Micah's answer was, because you don't treat people right. There is an absence of justice and an absence of of mercy because there is the presence of so much me worship. And look what God said in Micah chapter 2. The Lord says, I'm planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly for it will be a time of calamity. God says, underneath your lack of mercy, Underneath the absence of justice is the abundance of me worship. And I am going to deal with your pride. See, what God has made clear all over the Bible is that He opposes pride. But He gives grace to the humble. He says things like Isaiah 66 These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So we're going to close our Fix Your Focus series talking about humility. And in some ways, that's where you have to start. And here's what I mean. You're not going to act justly and love mercy unless you're walking humbly with God. 
Because it's too hard to live that way in a selfie world without divine empowering. And that's what the Bible means. God gives grace to the humble. It doesn't just mean God gives forgiveness of sins. It means God gives strength. God gives empowering. God pours his life into my life so I can live the life I'm supposed to live. I'm supposed to live a life of justice and mercy. And I don't have the strength unless I receive grace from God. But God only gives grace to the humble. And so, we're going to close by turning our attention to what it means to turn our attention off of ourselves. What does it mean to walk humbly with God? Well, one thing it means is that I'm going where God wants to take me. See, I don't want us to miss the wonder of this thought. In fact, it might be one of my favorite metaphors in all the Bible. That God wants us to walk with Him. Just let that sink in. God doesn't just want to meet with us at an appointed place at an appointed time. But God wants us to be together all the time. See, walk is a lifestyle. God says, come with me. Let's do today together. Walk means God doesn't want a compartmentalized life. Where you say, okay, now this is my work life. This is my home life. This is my hobby life. And over here is my spiritual life. No, God says, I want to walk with you. I want us to be together. And what that means then is that I am living constantly aware of the presence of God, which means I'm never the most important person ever. I'm with God. And that immediately puts me in the role of servant. I heard about a seminary in Kansas City that did something I thought was brilliant. So they're looking for a new president. They got a lot of applicants. They were all academically qualified. They narrowed the list of five, and someone had this idea. Let's go to their current place of employment and interview the janitor. And they hired the man that got the most glowing review of the janitor. Because they wanted their school to be led by a man that is constantly aware in any situation, I am a servant here. That's what it means to walk with God. And it means that I realize I don't own the path, okay? It's not, hey God, I'm going on a walk, do you want to come? But it's God, I'm walking with you today, where are you taking me? I'm going on the path that God chooses. Why is that important? Because it means that I own a responsibility to wind up in places that self-interest would have me avoid. If I walk proudly, I don't wind up in a ditch helping a guy who got mugged. I stay away from that kind of place. But when I walk humbly with God, I find myself in some places that self-interest would never 
have taken me. Because that's where God walks. Look with me at Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You hear what the writer is saying? God wants you to think like this. How did Jesus walk? Jesus humbled himself and walked to the places nobody wanted to go. When you walk with God, you wind up with a cross on your back. You're living a life where you are daily dying to yourself starting with your need to get attention because walking with God means being fine with not being noticed now I understand why attention is so alluring we live in a culture that gives worth to people based on how much attention they get we live in a culture that gives value to people based on how much applause they get we even have a phrase how many likes did you get oh we like to be liked we post something on twitter or instagram or facebook and we can't help ourselves We feel better about ourselves if we get a lot of likes. Even if we do something humble, something serving another, or our children do something serving another, we take a picture and we post it so that it will get likes. Which raises the question, if all our service has to be posted... Was it really service at all? Look again at verse 3 from a different translation. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Here's what God wants. Justice and mercy and humility. But are you less willing To act justly and love mercy when it's less noticed. When there's no one to tell you how nice you were and what a good thing you did. You see, here's the problem. If that's true, and if you need to get liked to do the right thing, then you're going to be less willing To help the person you can't name drop. To serve the person who can't enhance your reputation or your career. Or the person that can never pay you back. But to walk humbly with God 
is to want to live so that God looks good. Not me. So in the 18th century in Germany, there was a minister named Jean Frederick Oberlin. One day on a walk, a snowstorm came in and he got disoriented and lost. And literally thought he was going to freeze to death. But he was found by a man who was placed in his wagon, taken into town, and given care. And he wanted to thank the man and asked his name. And the man, knowing he was a minister, said, First, sir, would you tell me the name of the good Samaritan? And Oberlin replied, Well, I can't do that. The scripture doesn't say. And the man replied, Well, then permit me not to give you my name. You ever thought about that? Maybe the best known story in the world and we don't know the hero's name do you think maybe jesus told it that way on purpose love does not boast but you do have permission to boast god gave it to you in jeremiah 9 this is what the lord says don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. God says, you want to boast? Boast about this. You know me and you know what I focus on. Boast about that. That you know me. And that you know what I care about. And life is going to give you many opportunities to back up your boast. Because if you're walking humbly with God, you get a lot of opportunities to do the next good thing for someone else. Because when you're walking with God, you notice what He notices. You notice what gets God's attention and God notices people especially the people who hardly ever get noticed and so we're walking with God and we start to fix our focus on all these opportunities we have every day to act justly and to love mercy and we start to realize this isn't a random walk God is deliberately taking me to places where I can do the next right thing for somebody else. That these are God-engineered opportunities and encounters to be a blessing. The Bible says in Galatians 6, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith. And we're a church that believes in looking for those opportunities, and we take advantage of them. At every campus, West Fort Worth, South Lake, North Richmond Hills, as a church, we're doing organized things to bless our city. Involved in schools, partnering with agencies that help the less advantaged. And I love that, but I think Micah is talking about something bigger even than that. More than organized ministries. I think Micah is just talking about that organic life where you're just walking with God and these unexpected, non 
attention-getting opportunities happen every day where you can just do the next good thing. I'm at a fast food restaurant recently. There was a grandmother there with a grandchild trying to purchase him a meal. And something wasn't working with her card, and she kept trying, and it kept rejecting it, and she was embarrassed. That's happened to me before. I took my card and said, let me this time. And I swiped it. And I didn't say, did you know I'm a pastor? Would you like to get my picture on Facebook? (laughs) I had lunch a few months ago with one of our elders. Our waitress came to the table. He asked her name and said, how are you today? She said, not very good. I just found out I'm pregnant. And I do not know how I'm going to make it. When she came to bring us the bill, I watched him. He called no attention to himself. He didn't tell me. But he put a $100 bill in his hand. And he placed it in her hand. And he said, you remember that God loves you. And God is going to be with you. And she teared up. As she smiled. And as we walked to the car, he asked me, how's your family? I said, I think Jamie might be pregnant and I don't know how we're going to make it. (laughs) Every day. Walking with God, you find yourself in these places. Unexpected. No cameras waiting to get your picture. Where you just have an opportunity to do the next good thing. I saw an example of that recently on CBS News. And I thought you would enjoy it, so please watch. For barbecue lovers, Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama is heaven on earth. But 80-year-old Eleanor Baker says her visit here earlier this month was especially divine. I think it was a God thing. I think God sent me there. You think we needed the example? Yes. That people care about other people and how important it is. (laughs) Eleanor is a widow. She lives with her dog, Rufus. And although she has a big family, they mostly live out of town. So Eleanor was alone the night she went to Brad's barbecue. Security footage shows her entering there in the purple. And at about that same time, these three young men arrived. They say they were just having a good old time. We was all just sitting there just talking. When Jamario Howard noticed Eleanor. An older woman sitting by herself. Jamario says he hates seeing people eat alone. And I seen that. When most of us see someone eating alone, we feel that way. But our sympathy never solves anything. And Jamario really wanted to fix this. So he got up from his table and sat at hers. He just came up and he said, I saw you sitting over here alone. And he said... Do you mind having some company? And she said, go right ahead. And then I introduced myself, and she introduced herself, and that's kind of how it all got started. They all ended up having dinner together. And it was just a really nice, pleasant evening. (laughs) What those 20-somethings did that night speaks volumes about their character. (laughs) But they say it wasn't entirely altruistic. (laughs) They enjoyed her company as much as she enjoyed theirs. 
Because when we left there, that's all we talked about. When you make that kind of connection with somebody, it's hard to let it go. Like I already feel like we're her grandkids. <laughs> so you got room for these guys in your life? Of course. I'm so glad y'all could make it. They have all vowed to make room for one another. And certainly, if Eleanor's right, that God played any role in this, it may be to remind us of the joy that awaits just outside the bubbles we live in. I used to say when I was younger, and I still say today, like, I'm going to change the world somehow. And I don't know how, because I'm not rich, I'm not famous, and I'm not very smart either, so I can't be the president. But we can show the world that it's all right to be kind, and then before long, maybe the world will be a much better place. <laughs> Amen. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Oxford, Alabama. I love that. And I might disagree with one thing Jamario said. He said, I'm not very smart. And I might argue, Jamario, you have a wisdom the world needs a lot more of. And I believe every day we have chances to apply that kind of wisdom. She said it was a God thing. And I think she was right. When you walk humbly with God, you have a lot of God thing moments. Because justice and mercy and humility, they point beyond themselves. Listen to Jesus' own words. You're the light that gives light to the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. And people don't hide a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so the light shines for all the people in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do. And will praise your Father. In heaven, justice, mercy, humility, repeat, it's not complicated, but it's not easy either, especially in a selfie world. And so we have to be intentional and keep our focus on Jesus. We're like John the Baptist. They said, everyone's leaving you and going after Jesus of Nazareth. And John said, I couldn't be happier. I've never wanted it to be about me. I want to make much of Jesus. If you make life about you, you're not going to have a happy life. Here's why. Because circumstances and other people are never going to focus on you as much as you want. But when you focus on Jesus then circumstances and other people cannot keep you from what your life is all about. And so let me wrap up this series with one more story. They were best friends. They shared a passion for Taekwondo and they shared a mission to make it to the Olympics and represent their country, the USA. They went to Colorado Springs and they were surprised. The number of divisions had been reduced. And Esther Kim and Kay Poe found out they would have to compete against each other. And only one of them would get to go. Everyone knew they would meet in the finals. And they did. But in the semifinal, Kay badly hurt her leg. And though she stood on the mat with Esther, she had no chance to win. But Esther knew something too. 
She knew Kay was the better fighter. And so when they got together on that mat, Esther came in front of everyone. Bowed her head. She conceded. She let Kay go to the Olympics instead. Because a greater cause was more important than personal glory. Justice, mercy, humility, they all start with a bow. You remember the wise men that came to Jerusalem? We're looking for the new king. We've come to bow and worship him. They got out the scroll of Micah. We call it chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Go to Bethlehem, they did, they found him, and they worshipped him. He should have kept reading. Because right after that verse we read, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Micah prophesied that this Messiah, the one we call Jesus, would fill the earth with his glory, that his greatness would be known. Micah said the day is coming when every eye will focus on Jesus. My friend, you should do that right now. Let's bow our head. Oh God, thank you. Thank you that you are a God that reveals, does that keep us in the dark about your will? And that when you do reveal, you do it with clarity so that we're not confused about what you want. But God, what you want is not easy. To live a life that's constantly treating people right, acting justly, loving mercy. God, we need help. We need strength. We need grace. And so help us, God, to be humble. Empower us with your life so that we can do good, so that we can make Jesus look good. We pray this in his name. Amen.